It might be getting stale. Okay, let's make it fresh. Hello and welcome to Fresh Aesthetic, the show where we discuss topics like creativity, popular culture, self-acceptance, and more. My name is Stephen, and this is our special guest week. Welcome to the show, everyone. Let's hit it. Okay, officially got Luke in the studio with me. Hey, Luke, how you doing? Hey, hey. This week, I was wanting to talk to you about building a habit. You've kind of been on this buzz of... I don't want to take words from you, but I'll just try and summarize it and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. You were stressed out in your last job. And at the same time, while that was happening, this thing in you was building up where you wanted to start your own business and you weren't sure if leaving your job was the right thing to do. But at the same time, you felt this kind of drive to do your own thing as well. Do you want to just maybe start with that and with the transition process or some things like that? Anything off that that you think is interesting? Definitely was finding the work that I was doing quite stressful and taking a lot of effort to hang in there. To do my own thing wasn't necessarily on the cards. It was more a matter of I can't see myself continuing staying in this job for the rest of my life in the way that it was. It was more a matter of is there something else I can do because I can't keep doing this for the rest of my life. Under the management or in that situation, I knew I would have to just keep at that way of working was basically not much control around overtime and that sort of thing when when something needed to be delivered for a client you need to go and and do that and that would be making me uh, late home Um, sometimes the kids were already in bed I just couldn't guarantee a, a finished time probably mostly due to staffing levels but I knew that that wouldn't change well everything was the way it was so it was going okay can't keep doing this what else can I do? An overarching factor to moving on to um, looking at new things was being probably close to burnout and as a result feeling very flat in life and getting home and just having pretty much no motivation for anything else and just levels of procrastination and and I had been for a long time before working in this company quite a enthusiastic energetic person who could just go and put my mind to anything and go and do it I, I lost that and I knew something wasn't right and it was probably burnout although I hadn't actually talked to anyone saying that's what it was but definitely something wasn't right and I knew I'd lost my mojo. So out of all of that, I found a way to kind of get that back and then thought about, well, I'd love to help some other people find that energy and that enthusiasm again, just like I'd found. And that gave me my idea that I could do. Right. And that's interesting because we've been talking a bit on the show about how um, suffering can be sometimes or in the moment it feels very painful obviously but it can be the greatest teacher or like an instigator of an event like in a movie you have an inciting incident where the main character is just going about their normal life and something happens to them 
and it has to happen because otherwise the movie would just do nothing for the entire film and you have to have this inciting incident so that the character is pushed out of their comfort zone they're forced into an uncomfortable position and the plot can move forward that inciting incident I assume would be that you were very stressed out um, you, you you can just tell that something's not working and anybody would start to think well if I'm feeling like this now what about five years down the track so that led you to this drive in you was it the drive to start a business first or to move jobs first or uh, move jobs first yeah right and then after that you were like starting to process and think about in hindsight reflection all that kind of thing what went wrong or was it just you were passionate about making the most of time and things like that after that because I did that personal development and felt like I found a way to get that energy back it was that that I was like wow this is life-changing my life is so much better for it I want to go out and help other people with that does it kind of answer your question there right yeah it does you know exactly what it feels like to be stuck yeah. to be frustrated yeah. to be just lacking that energy like you say day to day so that can drive a passion to to do something well we can talk about building a habit I mean it's the topic of today's episode I'm really interested in this I have a very small story about building a habit so I recently switched browsers to I was using Google Chrome and I switched to Firefox because um, I'd heard plenty of things about privacy issues with Chrome and I know there's privacy issues wherever you go on the internet, but I was like, okay, they're obviously in the dog box. Firefox seems to be a better alternative. I'm going to switch to it. That's not the point of my story. The point of my story is I switched over the app on my phone, but the amount of times I would find myself going through my habit of pulling down on the lock screen or the home screen or whatever and typing in the name of the app to get to my browser, I would type Chrome and it was gone and I would click on it before I had even thought about anything else and I was in the app store trying to re-download it and I'm like it just started like I, I, I've thought about this before of course like it's not like I've never thought about building a habit but I thought that was an interesting thing because it took I, I was trying to count the days so that I could program in my head how long does it going to take me to break this it must have been a week before my brain started clicking onto it and switching that when I pulled down I now start typing fir to get to firefox so I just thought it was an interesting little example of building a habit what is there anything you want to jump in with there so a habit is we do things without even consciously being aware and this became very much a point in case when there was a a guy who had some, uh, I believe it was some sort of brain issues and lost his memory. He, he could hold a conversation and st still speak and all that, but he couldn't remember back beyond a certain point. And if you were to ask him, okay, uh, you're in this room, um, how'd you get here? He'd be like, oh, I can't remember. He had no idea how he walked into this room, but he could be quite present with you in the moment. He would be living in the same house he had been in, and he was able to, um, for example, need to go to the toilet or get some food. He could just get up and go and do it. 
But if he was sitting there and you asked him how to do those things, he wouldn't be able to actually go and tell you how to do it or even know where to go. But he would feel the urge, the prompt, and he'll be able to go and do the behavior that he had learned as a habit before he lost his memory. So much to the point that his brain was still able to learn new habits without actually consciously being aware. So he was able to walk a block around his house and he did that enough times with his wife that one day he just went up and did it himself with no, he's got no memory, he can't remember anything. Wanders off, picks a bunch of pine cones up, they all got concerned, didn't know where he'd gone and he turned up at the house again. And basically his, his habit building part of his brain was still functioning but he had no memory, so he was able to learn actions that required no um, conscious effort, and it was all through prompts and then a behavior. So he would see this letterbox, he would carry on walking, he would see this tree, he would carry on walking, and he could do that right back around to his house, was he knew that exact loop, and he just did that over and over again with his wife, to the point that he just got up and did it one day by himself. We do many things consciously and then as we repeat them they they become habits and there's ways of making them stick faster but you'll find exactly like that going and typing in this word because that's how you've always done it it's a function that you don't actually consciously ever think of you just do them so we tie our laces we walk into rooms and switch light switches on we learn to to talk we learn to um do many functions eating and drinking so simple things like flicking pages and learning how to handle them like when you're young you watch a child they're trying to move this page and they're moving it they quite difficultly drop it or can't even pick it up but we just the habit and the muscle memory we don't even i don't even have to think about moving a page and the majority of the stuff we do is actually all habit um, and it's just a matter of time that it becomes that and there are ways to fix it faster. Yeah, well, I mean, um, I've got plenty of things that I love doing and I really, really enjoy them but find it hard to build the habit of doing them a couple of times a week. Or, I mean, one is going for bike rides. Like, I absolutely love cycling. Every time I get out on the bike, I'm stoked. But getting out there and doing it can be difficult first before riding a bike becomes a habit you're going to have lots of conscious steps to go and do that um so we've got to get ourselves doing a behavior that we want to keep doing and find ways to make it effortless so for any behavior to happen you have um, motivation ability and a prompt the prompt simply needs to be there you need to, um, maybe you see your bicycle, maybe you um, are walking up some stairs and you go, oh, I'm unfit, I should be riding my bike. Um, maybe um, what what would be something, a prompt that would remind you about your bicycle that we could actually use as a real example? Um, I just, the memory that I really love it and the feeling, I know the feeling of just being out on the open road um, yeah. and, and exercising. I love the feeling of exercising so you you recall that you uh, probably want to feel good and you're craving the feeling of those endorphins flowing through going i enjoy this so your prompt is recollection of that good feeling so you get the prompt um then you have your motivation comes into play and go okay um my motivation might be very low um therefore your ability needs to be very high to get over the action line um, very easy to do 
um, if you've got high motivation, it can be very difficult and you'll be able to get over that action line. So I don't know if that's able to paint a better picture. So if you have something that you enjoy and you want to do it, but you find that you're not doing it, it will be one of two things. The prompt's not happening, the you've got your motivations too low, or the ability's too hard. Um, those are the all the factors to behavior. Um, so we don't, if we want to start doing a behavior more often, we don't normally try and adjust our motivation because motivation's the most unreliable of the three. That comes and it goes. It's really all over the show. Motivation can be a little bit of a, a killer to our plans or New Year's revolutions because you have high motivation, you set a target, and then next week your motivation is low and your target was too high and your ability is not able to achieve and get into that action zone. If you want to build a habit of riding your bicycle and you're not going into the action zone, you have got a prompt, you're being reminded about it, then we would probably work on our on the ability. So what I would be thinking about saying is you have a, a minimum habit. For example, I try and do 10 press-ups a day. It's not major, but to go and do 10 push-ups, sometimes I feel like, ugh, I really don't feel like doing that, so I don't get over the action line. But I tell myself, I have to do just two. Oh, okay, two isn't so hard. So I just get down and I do two push-ups, and then once they start... Um, the cool thing about progress is studies have been done on it to basically be one of the greatest motivators ever. So if you want to be motivated, find a way of making a start. So for me, it's just do two push-ups and it's like, oh, okay, I might as well just carry on now that I'm here doing this. So when we're thinking about riding a bicycle and you want to build a habit around doing that, if you were able to go, okay, on Mondays or on Saturdays or where you want to pick a day or, or you might have a, a seven-day block and go, I'm going to tick three blocks off a week. And ticking a block for riding your bicycle could be just to the end of the road and back. So we're talking 200 meters or, or something like that. For you to build the habit, you would draw out seven blocks and every week you want to make sure you tick off three of them. And you would get prompted, you'd hop on your bicycle, you just go 200 meters and back. That's your minimum level of behavior. So that's going to get you into that action zone doing it. Now, as you repeat that more and more, that behavior actually slides along that x-axis and it becomes easier and easier and easier the more you do it. So as you're, as it's getting easier, you're able to increase the level of the habit. So it could be then 500 meters, it could be 2Ks, it could be 10Ks, until the point that you're building the habit so that every time you're prompted, you go, oh, I just did 5Ks yesterday. Oh, I could do six today and it actually becomes a easier as a behavior. So my question would be, what do you do with obstacles? Because I often find myself uh, on a busy week in particular, that's one obstacle that's quite often thrown my way or, or a busy few weeks and it comes and comes in waves. Um, the second obstacle I often find is wet weather. So I don't enjoy riding in the rain because I do it for recreation. There's not really... <laughs> Any incentive for me to keep going if it's raining? To keep that behavior going, I would consider uh, doing another one that keeps that repetition or that effort to, so like a, a sub behavior. So I don't know whether you've got 
some sort of gym equipment that you feel like you might be able to enjoy when it's wet weather and you just do that instead. So you keep, you still do something, you still turn up and you keep that pattern going. Um, or, I mean, rain's pretty difficult to control, but if you're saying, oh, I only need to go three times a week, hopefully there's three dry days. And if you maybe keep that minimum standard of just ride to the end of the road and back, so then when you're busy, you just jump on your bike for 10 seconds and then come back and you've done it. And, and you're still maintaining that behavior, which you can build from, and you're not going to lose it. Yeah, I think that's really good, because I've never really thought of just going to the end of the road and back. When Whenever I'm thinking of going for a cycle in my head, I'm thinking 30Ks. The way that you're talking about this, you start a lot smaller so that you oh, yeah. can build the habit, and then you eventually get to doing more and more quite frequently, but... Yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah, so it's about finding any behavior that you want to do and you keep skating it right back to it. It's just so easy that you can't not do it. And that's really the idea. Was it, it, That behavior model is very real around the cue, the, the motivation, um, and the ability to do it. And as soon as you're able to move your prompt where it lands in the area of the action zone, you'll do it. And that's what you've got to be trying to do if you want to keep um, reconstructing your behavior. Okay, so uh, what? That's really good. I'm really like pumped to give that a shot. What would you say, like using this model yourself and obviously building it into your life and teaching other people to do it? Have you come into any pitfalls, or you have you found anything that you're like, oh, I'm not sure about that. It's not really working. Or most models, most behaviors that I've used that with, um, there's actually an extra piece in there which I will say. And so this concept was discovered by a guy called BJ Fogg and he wrote a book called Tiny Habits. And in in his book, he talks about using emotion to help habits stick. Although those behaviors, you might be able to make yourself do them, if you're not really getting that reward factor from it, it's going to be harder for that habit to stick. Some people have talked about, oh, well, it takes 60 days to build a habit. It takes 21 days to build a habit. You may have heard those thrown out there. They're not entirely true. It's a lot more about the feeling that you can get from doing that habit. How we do this is we think about back to when we are a young a toddler or we think of all the toddlers. A lot of the behaviors that we help them build are all around encouraging them and celebrating them. So if baby gets a go at walking to become a toddler, they take a couple of steps, you do this massive celebration, you get really excited and they have their first food and they start using the toilet and all these things that are habits for us now. We use emotional praise to help them fix that and lock it into place in, in their behavior. So we do that naturally as people anyway. But for some reason, when we're adults, we stop doing that. And this is kind of crazy, but um, every single one that I've tried to build so far, and I've included um, this emotional attachment to the habit, they have just stuck incredibly fast. Um, And a good way of describing of helping you do this is, um, so BJ Fogg coined the phrase, and he calls it shine, the feeling. What that is, is if you can picture yourself um, sitting at a desk doing some work, there's a piece of scrap paper you want to screw up and scrunch up into a ball. You look over and there's the rubbish bin across the room and you toss it and it lands right in it. What's your reaction then? Mine is, yeah, 
that's that's the reaction that I'll give myself, whether verbally or just to myself, or that's shine. And if you can use that every time you do a behavior that you want, you go, yeah, or you can do it. Um, but when you think about it, while you're doing it, while you've just done it, and those will help you cement that behavior. And so every time you go, I mean, shoot, we could scale this right back. Every time you think about, I enjoy riding my bicycle, but it seems like an effort to go for 30Ks. So I'm going to walk out to the garage and I'm going to hop on my bike and I'm going to go, yeah. And you just try and try and connect that emotional act of doing that behavior constantly to these things and will help you build them. So, so much to the point that um, I wanted to read more scriptures. Um, I thought, well, when's a good time that I'm usually with my phone, was my Bible's on my phone, that I've got some time to read? Oh, is it probably sitting on the toilet? It's a good one. So I, I managed to, every time I needed to go, I would immediately think of my scriptures because I did that behavior every time I managed was otherwise I would go to Instagram or something else and pull it up. But as, as soon as I started going, no, I'll, I'll, so I went with the intention of opening scriptures. And so I did that and I celebrated. It took probably what, three goes. And then it was a habit and it's that easy to create these habits. Another one, um, in the bathroom, I don't know why I started doing this, but um, brushing teeth, and I'd brush all the kids' teeth, I'd brush my teeth, and for some reason, the toothpaste tube, I'd always just leave it on the bench. This used to really annoy my wife. So she would come, you left the toothpaste on the bench again. I was like, oh, I'll try and remember next time. And by the next morning, I was, I've gone to bed, and then um, I usually head to work and brush my teeth before the house is sort of up. And sometimes I'll get home and say, you left the toothpaste out again. And, you know, these little little things that you're sorting out when you're married and, and living with other people. But for some reason, I couldn't remember to put it in into the cup. It was so simple. I put my toothbrush in there, but that's just wouldn't, I just couldn't do it. So I thought, well, I'll try this new habit building behavior model. So um, I practiced consciously so standing there putting it in the cup and going yes I did it and then I'd like pull it out and then I'd do it again and and it didn't take long and now I don't even think about it it's a habit I don't consciously do it but if I leave that bathroom it's in the cup I do not even have to think about it and that's how awesome it is about using the power of habit was you doing behaviors that you don't have to consciously think about and you break you can break some some old habits or breaking is probably not a really good word, but um, or, or uh, probably um, mesh over or, or come over the top of a, an existing habit and create a new one. That's kind of really more the idea of, of giving over a bad habit. So I had the habit of putting it on the, on the bench. I wanted to change it. So I recreated a habit in the action and I now put it in the cup every time. That's cool. I've got so many visuals in my head now of... You sitting on the toilet reading reading the Bible and you standing in your bathroom going, yes, yes, that's that's great. I love it. That's really cool about the idea of writing over an existing habit because there's a couple of things in, in what you said that I hadn't even considered before. I was getting the picture of like a hard drive, like your brain being like a hard drive and you're literally just writing over old information. And that silly little story I had about Firefox and Chrome before was what prompted me onto that sort of thinking of, oh, so I'm forced to change this habit, so I'm going to do it and just pay attention to the process. But I can do this for anything. And it's like it opens up a world of possibilities of like, 
oh, all those things I really, really wanted to do that I just keep them like, oh, you know, I really want to learn the cello one day, or I really want to do this or that. Um, And everybody's got one of those. I'm sure listeners could easily relate to that. You could do it tomorrow. Um, And scaling it right back makes it feel a lot more achievable. And that is the biggest thing, because already I feel um, a lot better about cycling, but also um, some other things that I could do and apply this to. So yeah, that's really cool. Riding over a habit. One thing we could potentially sidetrack down is the thought of stress and even anxiety and does this play, I'm interested in, in your research and the books you've read and things like that, is there anything about habits and stress? Is there a correlation? Can you Do you get into the habit of being stressed? Hmm, that's a really good question. I haven't learned enough about it. But I have heard some of the authors that I do enjoy their books on their podcasts. I remember one of them interviewed a fellow and he was talking about getting into the habit of playing um, what he liked to call soundtracks. So these were phrases or thought patterns that he wanted to think. And then whenever, um, I think I think there could be a book coming out actually called That Soundtracks and it's about um, having a feeling of, of probably anxiety or, or stress, although I'm not that experienced with anxiety, um, where you, as soon as you're able to recognize it, then you run that soundtrack. So maybe you say these phrases or you think these exact thoughts that you've already predetermined to think about. And you could probably build some habits around that. Um, beyond that, I'm not really aware of the best way to deal with those sort of mental um, thought patterns. Well, that's pretty good. Um, the other thing I was thinking about is what about memory? Is there anything that you've stumbled across in terms of like how to train yourself to yeah, okay. memorize things? Because I mean, one practical way that I have to do this um, in my job is remembering kids' names. Yeah. Oh, I'm a teacher, by the way. Um, but if you get yeah. a brand new class of year nines and there's like 30 kids and then that rotation might last five weeks. Let's just say that. And then you get another lot and you've got to remember all their names. Is there anything that you've stumbled across of? No. <laughs> just, we'll just no. end it at that. No, but, <laughs> On but to the next we, could, we, could, we, could, we could talk about this. So I could tell you what I do do um, if it's helpful and then I could tell you, also tell you a little bit about um, memory. I've done a little bit of coaching of um, soccer and football and – I just, every opportunity I have a chance to say the kid's name, I'm, I'm saying them. So I'm saying, I'm going, uh, Thomas, James, Jamie, you three come over here. And so rather than point and say, come here, or you go split that half, I'll actually say their names out, all of them as, as often as I possibly can. And when I'm meeting them, I'm going, okay, nice to meet you. And, and then I'll go to the next kid and then I'll go straight back to the other one and go, okay, so we've got Jamie, we've got Thomas. And now we've got James. Okay, Jamie, Thomas, James. And then I'll do the fourth one. Just repeat it over and over again. So that's basically the only thing I do. Um, in terms of making yourself memory, uh, remember things more, I tend to go the other way around, just trying not to remember stuff. Quite a good author. Again, um, David Allen, he has a, written a book called Getting Things Done. And he says that our, our brains think similar to computers in that you've got that random 
access memory, that sort of short term holding stuff in there. So you're wandering around with all these to do lists in your head, and oh, I've got to act on that, and I've got to act on that. That's all the stress on yourself trying to remember all of those things, and you will unlock more capacity for you to think creatively to to probably have that short-term memory to remember the kids names in the class if you're able to get every single thing out of your mind into um, something physical like a piece of paper so the best way of doing that is what we would call a mind suite where you'd sit down with a whole bunch of a4 sheets of paper um, preferable to electronic actually um, um, and you would say okay do I run this class and you, you'll write down okay teach I don't know what's an example and, and some idea that you might have in your training sequencing am I going to do a class on sequencing so you don't even think about that anymore you get it out on a piece of paper and then you write what's the next action needed from you from that okay it's on a piece of paper I don't even think about it anymore and that goes into your list of of your to-dos or your actions and you get as much of that out on paper as you can so that you now have nothing retained in your head there is no more short-term memory stuff you have to keep so it's not going to get filled up and then you'll randomly lose stuff out of it because you can't contain it so now you should be free to remember people's names and remember those really kind of a day-to-day stuff because you're not holding this big load of other things in there so when you write it down is that your does your brain automatically delete it or I, yeah, in, in, yeah. Or freeze it up? Yeah, freeze it up. So you you know that this this open loop is now closed and you can release it because you've got a system that you're going to come back to and review those sheets. of. It's important, made it onto a sheet of paper. I mean, it could be something that you're thinking about and you put it on a piece of paper and the next time you're looking at it, oh, that's not important, you screw it up and throw it into the to the bin and do a little celebration. Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> um, but the idea is all those loops that are open, you want to close them as fast as, as, as often as you can. So you're sweeping your mind out and then you're freer to think about creatively. You would probably be able to sit down and be okay with your thoughts and remembering your kids' names just because you're actually free. That's great. I, I love it. I want to implement it starting now. I mean, I, I had a list of questions in my head while you were talking. I was trying to keep them in my RAM, um, know where to write them down. But one thing I have noticed is that I do forget things in my RAM. So I'll have lots of lists buzzing around in my head, um, things I need to do. And my usual go-to strategy is putting a reminder on my phone or doesn't matter where, just as long as it alerts me at at a good time uh, to go and do the task. But case in point, tonight I forgot to go and do something that I was meant to do. It was really important. And... Yeah, it was just a case of the system failing. So I, because sometimes I'm, I, I've used it for so long and I know I'm riding on the edge when I'm doing it. I know if I'm like, if I leave this reminder up to chance of just in my head, then there's 50-50, I'm going to forget it. Actually putting it down is really helpful. When I did forget this thing, I was, I let somebody down. So, and I know that you've gone through a lot of this and that as an Enneagram 2, I, I assume. Yep. Uh, yep. I'm, I'm pretty sure we've had this conversation absolutely. before, but yep. I didn't want to, you know, take it away from you. Um, Enneagram 2, for those who don't know, is the helper and the Enneagram. You can look it up. Enneagraminstitute.com, really good resource. Is somebody who loves to help other people, loves to give and give, really, really looking for some 
affirmation in return. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so describe to me, because I know the feeling in myself, like tonight, the feeling of letting somebody down. For me, it's different. For me, it's like, oh, no, like I'm not perfect. And it sounds stupid. Like you say it out loud and it sounds the most ridiculous thing in the world. But it's so hard to get over because I have that feeling and I'm like, oh. And if I don't put words to it, I just get sad and and I don't know why. Um, but I was able to go, I'm feeling gutted because I let somebody down and that shows that I am flawed and I can't get it right all the time. And I wanted to look really good for this person and I didn't. Um, do you want to talk about that for a minute? Disappointment, letting people down. Mm, that's a difficult one. When we let someone down okay could we picture ourselves um receiving emails well that's a pretty soft sort of sort of one and you get an email and someone asks a question and you don't respond you intentionally just leave it for me that is near impossible um to be able to feel like i'm not a trustworthy person i'm not reliable i don't like feeling unreliable what something interesting i learned from someone who was talking about trying to free your time up and I, I don't, i'm not saying this is the case with you but there are very few things in life that actually matter that much that need that much demand from you that you can't let it slip and not have great consequences if you want to close your emails down for a week and not even look at them and assume that those people that were requesting actions from you, that if it was really that important, they would find some other way to get hold of you. And you just allow those things to pass because there are very few things that have so great consequences that you can't just ignore them for a while. So that's probably point one. Dealing with that feeling of letting people down or you're not perfect I still struggle with that. Um, as, as we said, the Enneagram 2 basically lives their life for it. To do things to help people to seek recognition and appreciation. Like that's basically my essence of purpose of living. So it's difficult for me to say how to even deal with that. Because I haven't figured that out myself. Although now that I'm more aware of that, I'm able to do less things uh, for people searching for that and feeding off their appreciation so that's for me I, I get it more at step one where before I even say I'll do that for the person I go why am I actually doing this am I going to do it for the appreciation at the end or am I going to um, do it anyway regardless of the appreciation so that helps filters out the amount of commitments that I do have but in terms of how to deal with it when you actually don't turn up when you say you're gonna i i have no idea um that's just something that always hurts me yeah that's really tough eh? it's really tough to navigate doing things for the right reasons like even if you know the content and you know you know what the the reasons are for or, or you know your motivations you know your own shortcomings and your own pitfalls it can be really hard to keep implementing it like i find myself um, still, you know, you do struggle with the same thing sometimes. And even though you know more, you can still fall into it. But you do, I, I do find myself getting better at it. 
Um, do you have you found that you're you're, you're yeah. getting there? Yeah, I think so. But probably more at the step one, as in being able to say no before I go and do it for that appreciation. Right. I haven't figured out how to deal with letting people down yet. I don't know if I ever will. Is is there a way? If there is, I'll, I'd like to hear because it is. It's hard. Yeah, I don't know. It is hard. I well today. I I guess I just went. Oh well, I let somebody down. Is what it is. I got to say sorry and move on, and not let it have that hold on you. Well, I suppose end of the day, what else is there to do? Yeah, well, we we like to hold on to things, don't we, as humans? Yeah, yeah. we tend mm. to just have this really rock solid grip on everything that we do. Um, even starting a new thing, you can lock onto it as part of your identity, I guess, or whatever. But you to let anything go is hard. To let go of the narratives and the stories we tell ourselves and we use to get love in the world. That's really hard because they've served us so well since childhood. Oh, yeah. Are you better at saying no now? Yeah, yeah. And one way to think about that that really helped me is we have a finite amount of time or ability to do anything. So if I say yes about any one request, then in reality I'm actually saying a thousand no's to all the other things because if I take on one project one task or one request and that means I'm saying no to all the other potential ones that I could have said yes to so for me that gives me a lot more graciousness to say to myself it's okay to say no to this because it's not the most important thing I could be doing because if I say yes then I've got to say no to all those other things that I could be doing and no is less of a strong response than a yes is so you divvy out a lot more yeses than you do noes. So I'm trying living by that principle a lot more. Um, and that's helping me to understand that saying yes just basically is saying no to lots of other things. So it's a kind of no anyway. So it's okay to use those other, other noes more often because of the yeses, just all of them combined together. So all of this journey you've been on and you know the transition from workplaces and things... I guess I'm so interested in it because, I mean, I've been on some journeys myself, but as hard as it is, it seems to be where the goodness is in life, that it's all of the juice is in the hardest parts. And so I'm really just interested in your, I mean, you've been at the, the new job for a while now and you've been rocking it on Instagram with your reels and it's great. It's, it's awesome seeing this fresh life like as somebody who's known you for a long time. In reflection and thinking back over the journey, how would you describe your lowest moments and and the things that got you through them and then now looking back on it? So that comes back to purpose. When you're in a state of burnout or near burnout, I probably was never really there, you struggle to find meaning in life. So you can do a day's work and turn up home and you kind of go, is this really all there is? Is this my day-to-day? What is there else beyond this? Why do I feel like my soul is just so low? For me to be able to find some purpose and get some freedom in my mind through 
controlling my tasks and controlling my time, which conversely it gave me more motivation and more energy. It just mean, meant that I could be intentional, being home and going, this is what I'm choosing rather than just letting life happen to me. I can choose to leave my job or I can choose to not spend time with my family or I can choose to spend time with them. As much as it was kind of painful being so stuck for a while and thinking, oh, I can't leave. See, this was goes back to my personality. I felt like I was going to let them down if I was going to leave. I probably should have left sooner. I'm definitely not secure in work now. Was even I'm doing the Instagram work, trying to coach people and helping them find their mojo. When you're in the startup phase, you're in another job and it's quite a bit scary. Living on the edge is just exciting in terms of um, being in that stretch zone, being out of your comfort zone. Like, I don't really want to be comfortable again because it's just so meh. It's languishing. <laughs> it's difficult to, to be in that. And I want to be pushed outside my comfort zone because I know how exciting it is although it's it's painful and uncomfortable i think i'd struggle to go back to just a day-to-day -day. although i do i suppose i fantasize about a little bit thinking oh the security of a well-earning income could be quite nice but then i'm sure i'd quite quickly forget just have a weight of that kind of normalness is that's really interesting hearing it from that perspective that how boring normal is and how you can it's crazy as a human you can have all your needs fulfilled you really i mean well it's not technically all of them but you're fed you've got a roof over your head you've got a loving family you're in a safe environment yet you can still be so unhappy yeah but that's cool that you've got that perspective now that you, you don't want to be in that space anymore yeah it's really inspiring finding um that sort of flow state flow is that feeling that athletes would feel um because i think the study was done on them where they are in their zone they're being pushed they're doing something that they're good at but they're also being stretched at the same time um finding that meaning in what you're doing um mastering it and and um it mattering with what you're doing, whether it's a competition or whether it's better in the world or whatever, getting into that flow state is what's going to keep you out of the dregs of the languishing state. Right. So what about with your um, business you started up? Tell us a little bit about that and how you keep the habit going yourself because that would be a hard one. I it know is. you've said a few times like it takes you hours to make these things and mm. then – I know from this podcast, when you're starting something up, you spend hours on it and then you get like a couple of likes or a couple of views and it can be pretty disheartening. Talk a bit about that, about building the habit for a start, but then also persevering when it's kind of depressing. I come back to thinking about my story and you started off this podcast with talking about the story of suffering. I think about my story and that there must be other people experience what I've experienced and I want to talk to them and I want to connect with them and I want to coach them that keeps me going every time I think about the vanity metrics of how many likes and how many views or, or in the moment that's depressing when it's low 
But when I think about it in the greater picture of things and go, what I'm doing is meaningful, then I can keep creating this teaching material on social media because it's an extension of who I am and what I'm trying to do. That brings meaning to my side hustle at this stage. In terms of a habit, I use what I described to you about the three blocks in a week. That is a flag of everything I do. I have like 12 things on there at the moment. And for me, for work, um, on the side hustle, I have one row on there that says 30 minutes working on my side hustle. And I've got to tick that off three times a week. So there I've gamified the progressing and uh, working on the business now on weeks that I want to do more I actually put another one in there so I actually at the moment I have two of 230 so I'm going to do a minimum of three hours every week I end up doing about 20 but that's because I've got those prompters and those starters of the habits of building it so once I start oh I've got to get my 30 minute tick today once you get into the into the swing of it you do more anyway but that's how I progress everything if I want to do something, I put it on my intentions list for that week, which is what I call it. And it has seven squares out beside it. And I know I need to hit a minimum of three. So as I'm going through the week on review and going, oh, I haven't done anything on that for the last two days. I'm going to make sure I put that on my priority for tomorrow and the day after and the day after that to get my three by the end of the week. That's how I run. So they're not habits so much. I'll call them more intentions. Um, habits for me are... Um, putting the toothpaste away into the cup, doing uh, 10 push-ups as often as I can, so that's usually most days, reviewing and making a plan every day. So those are, those are habits, those are things that I don't, I don't miss. And if I do, I have a rule that I never miss twice. So if for whatever reason I don't plan the next day, then that day that I land on, I've got to plan the one after that, so I keep the momentum going on those habits. So... It's not only a minimum of three on those ones I have. I'm not allowed to miss twice. Um, so I just I just gamify to make it fun, and I don't like breaking those little blocks of chains. And um, and coming back to the um, mind sweeping, I have another habit um, where I assess my day and I go, do I feel comfortable that everything I've got to do is managed? And if I don't feel comfortable that day and I'm not able to sit down and find that space to get comfortable, then I put an X on it, and I'm not allowed to miss that one twice. So the next day, I've got to slot some time in somewhere in my evening to sit down and just think about what I've got to do and get back in control and get on the horse was somewhere I fell off. Yeah, that's awesome. Just wrapping up now, what advice would you give to somebody in their early 20s? So if you think about your your younger self, but not even, not even necessarily talking to you, but somebody in their early 20s who is a bit wet around the ears, they're just, just getting started in life, what would you say to them? I would say pick something to work towards, and it can be anything, Was you're obviously probably going to change it. Pick something, and then think about what is my next possible action I can do now on that thing. So forget about the entire project and it's much like building habits don't forget about the 30k bike ride what is the one small thing that i can action today tomorrow this week next month this year to progress towards that 
a moving ship is a lot easier to steer than one that's sitting still. Pick a direction and take one step at a time and go, what's my next action? Once you complete that, okay, what's the next thing I can do? So for me starting a coaching business, um, action one was open a social media. Action two was probably try and post at least three times a week. So we're thinking about just, and that's now a habit that I'm doing um, and I'm thinking about my next action. I've bought a course so that I can be coached on how to set up a coaching course. So pick a line and just do your next action towards that thing. That would probably be my advice. That's it, and it's allowed to change. It absolutely is. It's awesome, Luke. Uh, thanks so much for coming, joining us on the show. Where can we find you on social media? So you, I'm mostly active on Instagram. You can find me at Luke Tattersall NZ. If you could describe your business or side hustle in less than 10 words, how would you describe it? I help parents with young children who are feeling unmotivated or stuck how to be motivated and be consistent. Awesome. Very cool. I'm pretty sure that was over 10 words, but I think it was. I'll let it slide this time. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everyone. If you like the podcast, please consider leaving a review and following the show on Instagram. The support means a lot and is super helpful for the algorithms. All original music is by me, Stephen Garten. And thanks so much to our special guest for joining us today. All right, I'll see you all on the next one. Keep it fresh.